Hey, Outlandercast clan, Christmas may be over, but we still have some amazing deals for you. Castle Massey Soaps, which are my favorite, are marked down for their biannual soap sale up to 25%. And just for Outlandercast fans, you get to take an additional 30% off. Yeah, that's right, guys. All you need to do is use the code Outlandercast at checkout. You told me about your last words to your father. And how you've never forgiven yourself for leaving him like Don't you dare bring my father into this. It's the same thing. Can't you see that? Right when it matters, you're pushing me away. Screw you! I was just a kid! You know what you still are. You're acting like a child. Maybe this was a mistake. Fine. If you really believe that, then you should go. Look me in the eye and tell me. Because if that's what you really want, I will go. No one's stopping you. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. How's it going? My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I've literally been counting the seconds for this one moment. You, you want to know what it is? <laughs> I have been counting the seconds to play oh that sound clip. As yes. soon as I saw good old George on that screen, I said, "Oh my God! That I just I need to." Washington. This was so like this was the work of the gods. That like I feel like I feel like Matt Roberts and Meryl Davis and 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 everybody they were like we we've been listening to the podcast. We we got to fit George in. We're we're Hamilton fans. We got to fit this. We just got to do this for all those peeps. And I and I'm thinking maybe I should play right hand man to close out the end of this episode. No, I'm thinking I'm thinking about it. I don't know yet. We'll I, don't, I don't. I don't know yet. We'll I see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm still. I'm still. I'm still brewing on it. I know. <laughs> still brewing on the idea. Well, everybody, thank you very much. Thank for, you for coming back after you know many of you have just had a holiday. We we just had a holiday and yes. guys, it was a very busy holiday. It was a very very busy holiday. In case you can't tell, I'm sick again. <laughs> just constantly sick. You want to know why? For any of you who don't have young children in your life, I am pretty much the equivalent of a human hanky. <laughs> okay? Both of my kids. Runny nose, normally they'll go to the bathroom and get tissue. But if mama's nearby, mama, I want a hug. Not great, Bob. Nope. So I apologize that yet again you need to listen to a stuffy-nosed Rhode Island accent. I hope you guys all actually enjoyed our little kiss Christmas gift our for Christmas, you. Our Christmas, our Christmas, our Christmas gift. gift, our Christmas gift for you with the 
history lesson on the war of regulation. Uh, Marjolein Kars is who the person that we actually interviewed for that. She is, I think, the foremost expert, as we said in the podcast, on the war of regulation in academia today. Uh, and she's incredible. So if you have not gotten a chance and you want to learn more about Governor Tryon and the regulators and the war or the rebellion of regulation uh, at this time, which Outlander is right now exploring, please go back to this previous episode that we just did before this one and listen to the War Regulation history lesson. Yes. Uh, you will not be dis- disappointed at all. Truly, as a, as truly. Fact, well, before so. we get into the rest of this show, we want to make sure, of course, that if this is new for you and you're like, I dig these people, I dig this girl in her, her accent right now, whatever's going on, or if you've just <laughs> been listening for a little while, if you're not yet subscribed, we would love for you to subscribe in your podcast app of choice. If you're not yet following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all those different places, we're really easy to find. Our username on all of them is OutlanderCast. No space, no underscore. Literally, OutlanderCast. You can also become an official member of the OutlanderCast clan at, get this, OutlanderCastClan.com. Wicked original. If you've heard that, if you've heard that, you still have to go to OutlanderCastClan.com. I want you to check it out because there you can get great benefits, all sorts of extras, extra after doc podcast episodes, uh, special OutlanderCast giveaways. You're going to hear more about that later. Just awesome things, swag, you name it. You got to check out OutlanderCastClan.com. We we also wanted to remind you that the tickets for the OutlanderCast season four finale party being held right here in Little Rhodey in Newport, Rhode Island at a place called the Old Colony House. You cannot get any more colonial than the old Seriously. colony house. I promise you. We went we went big with this venue. This is awesome. If you want the good colonial feel, please go to outlandercast.com uh, or outlandercastclan.com. You can go to any of our Facebook. You can go to the Outlandercast Clan Gathering on Facebook. You can buy tickets there at any time. You are, still have the availability of getting the tickets for $75 right now. Once the first of the new year hits, tickets will be $85. So get to the OutlanderCast.com or OutlanderCastClan.com or Facebook or Twitter or whatever and get those tickets as soon as possible. I want you to get the lower rate. My love, are you ready to get into the rest of this episode? Let's do it. Okay, so break it on down for us. Let's talk about the details. Episode title was Wilmington, which was named after the city that all of our characters happened to find themselves in this particular episode. The writer was Luke Skelhaas, who is one of the executive producers of uh, Outlander, and he was brought in last year. He wrote The Bakra and also Heaven and Earth. This is his third episode, and he actually has one more episode for season four. So we'll see what that happens. Interesting. The director was Jennifer Getzinger, who did Down the Rabbit Hole, which was the last episode, First Wife and Surrender, and she still continues to be one of my favorite directors going in 2018 as she has directed so many great television shows. She is fantastic. And the director of photography was Stane van der Vieken once Again. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Time for the killed ratings. So the killed rating for me for this episode is a 4.6. Okay. A good episode. This is low for you, though. This is low for me. 
And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> well, I'm waiting with bated breath, my darling. This was not a Merry Christmas, okay? Not a Merry Christmas. This was this was There's, the... I, I get it. I get that they have to do things and they have to do things in a certain amount of time. But I'm going to be straight with y'all. I didn't watch this until much later because I was in a Merry Christmas mood and I knew it was going to happen <laughs> this episode. Nope. No. No. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Not a happy episode. And I'm sad that it had to be played on Christmas weekend. And that is why I took it down. <laughs> that is the reason uh, it's a 4-6 for you. You'll hear more about it in my bad. It, it has nothing to do with the show, just the fact that it was on Christmas. Christmas weekend. It technically <laughs> aired Christmas Eve Eve, which technically is festivus. Lots of grievances. Yeah, all the grievances. All the grievances. Every grievance to be there ever, ever was. Maybe that's why they chose this episode. They were like, <laughs> oh, we have this really hard thing we have to do. We could air it on festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> Let's do it. Matt Roberts was probably like, great idea. Great idea. It's Let's do it on festivus. Festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> so how about you? What was your kilt rating? I'm giving this one a four or five. Um, I think there are lots of things to love about this episode. And, and, you know, I want to focus on them. But I do have to get the poison out about a couple of different things. But the, the hand fasting ceremony was fantastic. Hey, we're going to talk about the GBGs. Well, I'm just, oh. I guess what brought it down for me was the Roger Merry and Christmas. Grey stuff. Oh. Uh, you know, the hand fasting was great. The sex scene was great. But like, they the, the writing in this episode like undermined both of those characters in so many different ways. And I don't know, I just, it was frustrating for me to watch because I feel like they want you to be invested in Roger and Bree. And I feel like they're doing everything they can to get you to invest yourselves. But at the same time, they're doing everything they can to undermine them. Um, it's a little and, confusing. It's some weird young love going on. Yeah, and I'd like to blame it on that. I really would. But I don't know. What do you got for your GBG? Okay. Here we go. You guys ready? I'm ready. Okay. So my good was Myrta and Fergus. So this once again, I'll say it every time Myrta's on screen. Doesn't happen in the book. So when little extra things like this come into play, my heart just goes a flutter. And the fact that um, we can have Caesar come on in and pretty much convince me that he is the same 10-year-old boy, Fergus. My Lord sent me. I'm like, I believe you. <laughs> I believe that this is the same person that that Myrta would look at him and say, Fergus, just as we as viewers do. Like that scene, that little micro little bit, love mm-hmm. it. I love it. I want them to hang out. I want them to play checkers uh, and chess and I want them to giggle and have some cream soda together. That would be fantastic <laughs> in the next episode. Cream soda? Yes. That's what I would like for them. My bad. Not a Merry Christmas episode. Not going to lie. I've been watching a lot of Hallmark Christmas movies or the Netflix equivalent. I've been watching Christmas every single day. And you want to know what I did? I took a break for Outlander, guys. Milk was a bad choice. Not Merry. I knew it was happening. Um, and, and honestly, Milk like, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm on Burgundy. And, like, you know what's happening as a book reader. You just know what's happening as an Outlander person when all these people are combined in Wilmington. The pot was being stirred. Literally, my low rating will probably be different in a couple weeks when I, you know, am able to be like, oh, Christmas season is done. This no longer is related to Christmas in my mind. It is me. My name is Mary. I like to be merry. It's all on me, guys. But I'm just being straight with you. Not, not what I wanted to do for Christmas weekend. Not great, Bob. Okay. I'm just saying it. Just saying it. <laughs> um, and then my great was Marcelie's comment about doing anything to protect your child. Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing this it, up. It like stuck me in the gut. 
in the gut. And there's so much to love about this episode. I mean, oh my goodness, there's so much to love about this episode. Mm -hmm. But that clung to me and how... um, Claire's reaction to it and and as a book reader or now as a show watcher watching it again you don't even know like Claire doesn't even know what's about to happen to her child in this same town in the same time period everything and it just dang dang Outlander not Mary <laughs> I mean there were some Mary parts chest hair uh, the, that was a, that was a, that that was that was a historian's bod. I was I was oh, pleased yes. with that. I was yeah. pleased that Rick Rankin didn't do five push-ups and flex his abs <laughs> while Sophie Skelton petted his neck. You could see like he was sitting up like so straight, trying to hold his gut in. That's what all girls do when they're naked in bed, about to have you know relations. It's just like boobies up, chest you know belly down, like on the side, angle it, like just hide all the chips that I've been eating. Rick did it, and it, I'm not saying he's tubby because he's uh, no, not he, ain't he is tubby. so slim but i'm just thankful that he didn't have like a six-pack painted on him yes slash flexing it while he's talking yes you want to you want to have sex Bree? because so many guys in like chest scenes okay first off we get the booty and the boobs from sophie I'm I'm pleased to see some some I just I always think that it's a little off kilter, okay? Yeah. Does anyone else agree with me? We get to see everything but but the front bush of girls, okay? <laughs> Let's be real. We get yeah. everything but that with girls. I and agree. then with guys, we're lucky to get an, a hairy nipple. Let me tell you, <laughs> that is not the most attractive part of a man. I'd like to see a sexy back. I'd like to see some booty. I'd like to see some upper thigh at some point. Why can't this be equal opportunity, Outlander? Because nobody wants to see male genitalia. No, male genitalia saying, ain't good I'm, looking. I'm not saying I need to see anybody's bushy, okay? I don't need <laughs> it. I don't need that area. You can censor that all you want. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm trying to be careful with my words because I know some of you driving around with kids. Listen, I'm just saying what you showed on Sophie, you could have showed on Rick. Well, technically they did. No. Techni- technically they did. They showed his bum? They did. When? Oh, uh, well, they kind of did. I did not see the full vertical shot nicely illuminated by fire. And I feel like this is something that happens in all these sex scenes. You got Katrina flying all over the place with her pointed toes. You get everything except the front situation on the down low. I'm just trying to be careful. (laughs) Or lady bits, okay? You just don't see that. And I just feel like... Her hoo-ha. This is, you know, the... Every... Let's just be equal opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. There was that really one awkward scene when he sat up and like you saw, like when right before they started arguing, he sits up and he puts like the the sheet around his his happy land. And No, well his man bits. Yeah, and he and he and he sits up and it's just like Happy Land. No. It's just so awkward. (laughs) All you just see is this white butt. Like just like the the side of it and the yeah. way that he's sitting, it's like so perfectly straight. It's really weird. You know, that's talking how about, I would sit if I was being videoed naked. Talking I would about, sit so straight. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> boobies I'd be out. Doing, boobies out. Angled in. Angled. Twist that little twist. <laughs> the sexy twist with the hand down the hip. Yep. <laughs> like a newscaster, but naked. Uh, yes. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about too. Um, sorry. Where are we? We, we? Are we in our GBGs? Yes, we are. Okay, sorry. Marsley's <laughs> comment about doing anything How to How did we get on child. Roger from Marsley's comment? I don't really know, but I'm happy we did. <laughs> Either way, it worked out. 
Okay, how about your GBG? Um, okay, the good. Y'all know what I'm talking about, naked. Y'all I, know. Y'all know you do it. I know. Some people probably are just like, no, I'm a plop. I plop down, you get what you get. <laughs> I'm a the least I think plop might be the most unsexy word there is in yeah, the English language yeah but by that point you're like naked on bed and you're like whatevs man I'm just sexy take it take <laughs> it am, or leave it I am the way that I am someone has to be <laughs> like like if Lottie um Lottie Galus, if yeah, she Galus. if she plopped she would still be sexy she would do a sexy plop right Cat would do a very carefully toe pointed plop toe pointed hers would be like plop 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 but normal people if I did it it'd be like normal people will plop <laughs> plop then a little extra shimmy flop verberation continuing it's just waves aftershock. waves of things flopping you, you had cream show da 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 think cellulite continue Blake your GBG oh, okay <clears throat> my good and, and this is gonna be a total nerd out fest and it's actually gonna have zero to little to zero analysis of what the show is actually doing but my good was seeing George Washington through Claire's eyes. Seriously. Here comes the George Washington. We all geeked out with Claire in that moment. That was so cool. And and it's something that's very unique to Outlander, which I really loved. Because, you know, I've watched the show turn, and it's okay. Yeah, the guy that played George Washington, he always whispered and made him sound, tried to make him sound very presidential just like that and it was like weird and but nobody understood the kind of mythic figure george washington was within the show turn even in john adams uh hamilton as we joke about it it actually kind of acknowledges it but Outlander fully embraces the myth of George Washington, the cherry tree, the whole thing. And Claire has this foreknowledge of this guy. So when she's like, I'm I'm sorry, who was that again? Claire was so bored. She was so upset that she was left to like hang out with the biddies. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she was like, <clears throat> hold my drink. Wait, t- time out, bro. I would very much like to meet that man. Like just the... The the kind of godlike figure this man has ascended to within American history, and r- rightfully so, it's just incredible to see the context of someone from the 1940s that sees this mythic figure. Uh, it's like meeting Luke Skywalker. That that's what it's like. Where you're like, oh my god, like that's Luke Skywalker. Th- that's what it would be like to me. Um, and, seeing and then her, she geeked out in and, front of him. I know it with the cherry tree, and then and then explaining it to to Jamie was a really special thing that I think again only Outlander can do. Where Claire says, "This guy will become the most famous American ever. He's the one who wins the war. He's a big deal, and he's not going to be king. He's going to be president. It, it's a big freaking deal. What happened? And I know it's just a cameo, and I know it's it's kind of self serving for the show. Mm, and we're all into it. I, but like I was, and Martha's really, so awesome. Can Mar- we please yeah. hang with Martha? I want, I want, I just want to have a, like a, a martini with Ma- with Martha because you know, you know, she drinks like espresso martinis and like, you know, she's all, all about day. It. She's she's all about that life. She wouldn't. She probably would. She would probably think that the espresso martinis below her. She'd just be like straight up. She's a plop. I'm sexy and I know it. <laughs> I've had a few espresso martinis, George. 
Here we go. Hey, go get your number six. That's, that's, that's why they left early. George was smelling so good with his number six. She was like, some girl's about to like cut some guy on a table. I've been wanting you since this stupid play started. Here comes the general. Giddy up. <laughs> the amount of times I'm going to play that this episode is going to oh, be embarrassing. We're going to cheer up this rapey episode, oh, guys. We're going to cheer this, sh- <laughs> this up. It's taking us a while, oh my guys. God. Mary's so excited she almost swore. <laughs> Let me tell you, George Washington, If you, that's what they needed. You know what it was? They were like, ah, oh, it's Christmas. And this is going to be really hard. We gotta help what can out. we do? What can we do? <laughs> How about you just throw George in there? You know what? And and a funny, quirky, slightly tipsy Martha. Done. <laughs> Done. Done. They the be- leave early. Let's just leave it to the imagination because y'all know what was going to go on. <laughs> she was into that number six, uh-huh. I'll tell you that. That wasn't the only number six she was okay, into. Okay, <laughs> so you're, you're- This episode brought to you by Gaspel Massey in number six. What is your bad? The bad. Roger sucks. What? Roger sucks. What? Yeah, yeah, I'm saying it. I am mm. saying it. Shame. Listen, just because he didn't do push-ups before he had no, a no, shot. No, no, no. Just because he has more chest hair than you. I, I, I wouldn't say that it's like the... He, the I chest don't have hair? Any, I don't have any chest exactly. hair. Exactly. Is this what this is about? No. It's more about the fact that he just leaves Brie. And he's like, Ooh, if you really, what we play at the beginning of this episode, if you really want me to, I would. I... That was not a good choice. Would never leave my wife and it's not about me being a man and protecting her and it's like i mean part of that is that yes but like this is the person you just said i want to marry you to this yeah and that you got a, married and now yeah. you're just like if you want me to i'll leave it oh the writer's man. room little bit about this afterwards completely showed you that this was a a contentious topic and i'll tell you the the writing for roger and brie shows it the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. I mean, yes, again, it was great to see the sex scene. I thought it was well done. I know some people probably took umbrage with it. I liked it. I liked the hand fasting scene. But the whole conflict between them is so asinine. And it's just made up for Roger to leave. That's what it, that's what it comes it's down to. They little... needed Roger to get out of, this, out of the yeah. picture. And they're like, how do we do this? How can we legitimize Roger getting out of this picture? I did and you not can't. Like, I did not like how this was handled in the show. No, I would agree. It was. It, it just wasn't good. And like it, you literally just traveled through time, but came it, across the ocean with Bonnet, right? And I think the bigger issue is the timeline that the show has set up for Roger to have found out about the obituary mm-hmm. did not set this up properly. In the books, you are understanding that he sat on this knowledge for a long time. In the scripts, if you take the time to go to outlandercommunity.com and read through the scripts, you're going to see that Roger had the obituary for weeks and didn't tell Bray. But yeah. in the show, and we all know, the show is its own entity. They make it look like Roger goes, sees Fiona, is like, holy smokes, this is bad news. Claire and Jamie die. What do I do? And he has oh like a goodness. moment. He has a moment and then calls Bray. And she's already gone. But you know what? Let's let's do this. Let's get into the rest of my GBG and then we'll talk about it, okay? Because we're already 23 minutes into this bad boy. Oh my boy. gosh, I'm so sorry. Guys. Okay, so the great for me... Um, and I and I this is going to sound very insensitive when I say it, oh, and, dear. and I don't want it to. So just pre- I'm going to preface this saying I'm not being insensitive. Yes, the boots during the rape scene. Oh, I don't think you're being insensitive. But I thought th- I thought the rape scene in general 
was great. Was well done. Let's use that well, word. Well, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't mean it to sound insensitive. I'll clear up your language. Thank you. You're welcome. The way that it was done, the way that it was shot, the way that it was written, I felt that it was fantastic. Well written. And, and it was uh, the best part of the episode in terms of the the creativity behind it for me nice. that nice. made the where I was like wow this is worth watching those boots um and I and we'll get into it in a little bit but uh so all right so now that we got my the good bad great yes let's get into what I think is what I think is the most <sighs> worthy part of talking about for this episode mm-hmm. which is Roger and Bree oh, I thought you were just gonna say Ian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, they did another hashtag by Ian. Where's Ian? He's gone. By Ian. I, the fact is, the the funny thing is, you can't even remember what the hell Ian's doing. I don't even know the last time I saw Ian. They're like, yeah, Ian, you can't be is in this one again, buddy. Him, is someone feeding that wee man? <laughs> this guy didn't show up for for week like to work for like months. They were just like, hey, oh my God. go have a He's break. He's gonna come back and have the best facial hair out of everybody. <laughs> He's probably learned how to play like some weird Appalachian instrument. He's in a band touring the East Coast right now. <laughs> Ian in the oh, he's like the Island of Misfit Toys. That's what he did. Yes, totally agree. All right, so the hashtag by Ian is here again. Yeah, okay, bye. It is fine. Doesn't even get to be seen. But Roger and Bree, like we said earlier, the argument just doesn't make sense because, like you said, Mary. It appears within the show. The show made it not make as much sense. Right. The show was like, it showed Roger saying, okay, I got this thing. He has a moment of doubt and maybe he mulls on it for like a day or two. That's the way that it seemed. But it was more like, oh, I got to call her. I got to call her. I I, got to do it. The show wasn't very clear. The show is definitely not clear (laughs) and it has confused the narrative, I feel like. Listen, the show is having issues with time because it always looks like it's November in this show. So <laughs> I think that they're just telling us, play along with time. But I agree with you. The time, Brianna's like complete and utter rage against Roger did not make sense, nor did Roger make sense because he didn't say in this episode, oh, I had, had he even in this episode had like, well, I waited a season or whatever. Had he like filled in that time blank, then we might have understood it a little bit more. Or he could have stood up for himself and said, I had it. And then I called you and you were already gone. So there was like this obvious element, this variable that is up in the air. And they just kind of like whistled past the graveyard. Like they were like, don't pay attention to this. Just they're fighting. Which that's, that's makes what their mo- fight look a little stupid. It, it makes it look very stupid. And here's the thing. There's whiplash going on here, right? There's massive whiplash. It's the greatest day that they've ever had. They just had sex. They're talking about, oh, was it good enough? And this and that. And they're being cute with each other. And, so cute. And so, oh my God, that hand fasting. And oh, so good. And I think so I think whiplash can be okay sometimes. Whiplash can be okay. It, you can go from the best day of your life to the worst day of your life like that, right? It can happen. But the way that Outlander has framed this for me in this episode, it makes me not want to root for Roger and Bree because they're just dumb. Like we talked about earlier, they're they're in a young, stupid relationship doing young, stupid things. And that's okay. But I think of... I, I think of things that happen in other movies like i think of the movie ps i love you 
Oh my god, don't even make me cry. I know I can cry all day about that 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 movie where they they genuinely have these really big arguments. Yes. But in the end, like you know, uh Hillary Swank comes back and they're they're okay and uh they're fine. Or even The Notebook, right? The Notebook <sighs> is one of those things where he's like Ryan Gosling's talking to Rachel McAdams. He's like, I, I, I love you because you're stupid. And he, he says all the things to her. And But they're genuine. They're genuine because they've done everything they can to be together. They've done everything they can. And sometimes it just, the people butt heads when they feel so passionately about each other. The problem for, the problem for me is that in this episode, it doesn't feel like Roger and Bree make every single effort to be with each other. They have this rushed relationship. They have a rushed encounter. They see each other. He just happens to walk by. There she is asking for go to cross. That Creek. moment stopped my heart. I'm not going to lie. That I was, agree. I think that that was so beautiful when he hears her voice and she sees And, and he just stops. Oh, my goodness. I agree. I totally agree that it was Don't a beautiful be moment. Don't be hating that was, my moment. It was a really, it was like the way that Rick Rankin played it was very Both subtle. Of them. And it was like, it, like you could hear the record scratch, right? Yes. The problem, though, is that the show needed Roger and Bree to argue. It needed Roger and Bree to argue so that the show could get rid of Roger for for a bit, and have it and have Bree end up in the arms, you know, unwittingly and you know, un, not with not with full intent, in the arms of Stephen Bonnet. You know. I think on the flip side, though, this is for many young love, you know, like this people fight and they fight hard. And I also know that when you are with someone who you love, you can love them the hardest, the fullest, be the most amazing for them. But you can also hurt them the strongest. Like when Roger threw that dig about your dad, the one that you played in the beginning, I was like, "Ooh, man. That is a lover's quarrel, because I know I throw that kind of shade at Blake. <laughs> but here's the no, problem, though. But this is what I'm saying, is that when you love someone, you know these deep things about them, and sadly, you can cut them the hardest. I, so when I, I saw that, I was like, you know that right after he said that he regretted it, but so many of us have had those fights, whether with our parents, our siblings, our best friends, our lovers, our partners, we've had those fights where we know them so well that we we are so furious our emotions are on a on a 10 whether it's passion or love or fighting and then we throw in these things that we really shouldn't throw in and i i agree with you a hundred percent on all of those things again i'll I'll reference the notebook can you get any more cutting and like problematic than rachel mcadams and ryan gosling in the notebook i don't think that you can and why does that movie stand out to me and why is that one of like the considered one of the best love stories ever told right within film form because the characters were believable and you you understood the characters as that they were doing every single thing they could to be with each other. You believed that love because it was a genuine love. They argued, they fought, they made up because it all made sense for those characters. This, however, for mm-hmm. Roger and Bree, it just felt like he just he, he didn't come out and say, I tried calling you, but you were gone. Like that's literally all he had to say. And maybe Maybe it comes to the point where it's like maybe it's mirroring the, the 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 last episode when they were together when they were fighting at at the gathering and all they had to do was just communicate, but they keep doing stupid friggin' things and they're not communicating. Maybe that's the point. Maybe they're supposed to be mirroring that. 
The problem, though, is that I just don't believe they did everything they could to be with each other. Yes, you're going to tell me, oh, Roger traveled back 200 years. Sure. But like Brianna says, I didn't ask you to do that. I didn't ask you to do any. I, I don't care if you do the opposite. I don't care. You I'd actually. Yeah, I didn't even want you to be here to begin with. So, yes, thank you for coming. But don't lay that on me. Okay. Well, so that's we, what I'm getting at. Well, you're done being cranky because there's a lot of goodness in this there, episode. There actually, there is. And one of my favorite parts of this episode, actually, something I want to talk to you about, which is the scene when they're at the play and there's this part where Governor Tryon says the world is a stage. And as he's talking, as he's finishing his sentence, there's this shot that Getzinger uses to pull out and show the whole crowd. And they show Jamie and Tryon in the middle. And they're both very small. You can see them talking to each other. You can hear their voices. But the whole crowd is in the picture. And they actually went back to the shot a couple of t- a couple of times, too many in my opinion. But he's talking about the whole world being a stage. And when you start considering like this through line for the whole episode, you can see the real point here. Where Lizzie sees Roger and he, she thinks that he's roughing up Bree. Yeah. You know, or uh, Claire is doing the is doing the surgery uh, for the entire comp- uh, you know company of people there at the play, uh, or even Murta staging this uh, you know fight to get his money back, only to be played uh, by his apparent spy uh and then saved by jamie uh you know and it's 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 just this really cool thing what did you think about that whole sequence the spy murta situation well no just like the whole play sequence and and what was going on with jamie and claire and the surgery and that whole thing listen it was like lots of moving pieces it kind of reminded me of those puzzles that are stuck within this little box and you have to move them all around together but there's only one empty spot with which you can move them and you better get it right or else you're going to get really frustrated and it's going to break <laughs> and you're going to just end up picking the things out of, you know what i'm talking about those mm-hmm. little puzzles yep Whoo, man like had jamie not gotten the ride with george washington and had he not found fergus and oh my goodness gracious so many moving pieces but i really enjoyed it because it really um i was i was worried i was anxious i was i was loving it i loved how because everyone's in the same the same town they are able to help each other out mm-hmm. um i love all these people I need more Fergus in my life is what I've decided after this episode. <laughs> I love that we got to see Surgeon Claire throwing it down with all these guys saying, what is going on? Mm-hmm. This is terrible. You're not allowed to do this. Let's blow smoke up the bum. Um, <laughs> like quite literally. Yeah. Now you know where it comes from. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, Did you notice the bear flare in this sequence? There was the, the, the sequence when, uh, when Jamie is, is, catching the ride or, or before that when he's looking at uh, Edmund Fanning who we learned about by the way in the previous episode for the war of regulation uh, for the history episode that guy did such a good job I know he was great uh, when he's making the decision to like give him a whack and by the time he gets into the into the carriage and uh, and Murtaugh is on the road and he's waiting for the caravan to come and everything Bear does this really cool thing. It might it might just be a metronome. I don't know, but you can hear the beat mm-hmm. of like a clock ticking. Yeah, you know, a very like. Go back and listen to it. I will. It's just constant, oh, like this, and it's so cool. I was like, it reminded me of the movie Interstellar. Okay. 
uh, you know, like how Hans Zimmer had when they were on the planet for every minute, it was like seven weeks worth of Earth time that they were on this other planet. And with the, the score just kept highlighting this uh, ticking clock. Really cool stuff. Well, we're going to take a brief moment to tell you a little bit more about today's sponsor. In addition to their line of triple milled 5.8 ounce soaps, which we've been raving about for the entire season so far because they're that good, Castle Massey also offers a selection of Castile soaps. So what does that mean? I didn't know either, guys. Don't worry. If you're like scratching your head being like, girl, what? Castile soaps are made with an olive oil base. So they're actually even more natural and even more healthy. It's more gentle than other soaps while cleaning just as thoroughly. Because of the olive oil base, they never strip natural moisturizers. So you can use these soaps every day on your face, heck, even your hair. And in addition, as part of their healthiest line, the Dr. Hunter's Original Remedies line, they offer a Castile soap entirely fragrance-free. The recipe for this soap has been in their arsenal for centuries and has always been their absolute healthiest bar. And now, of course, is the perfect time to try all of them because all of Castle Massey's soaps are marked down for the biannual soap sale up to 25%. And just for you listening right now, like we're straight up in your earbuds, we're at the gym, we're in the car, we're having you like go for a walk with your dog, wherever you are, you get to take an additional, that's 55% off guys. Well, an, an additional 30% to make it 55%. That's what I'm saying. Yes. You skip the 30% pot, you hoop. Oh, well, <laughs> basically, you get an additional 30% off, which means you get 55% off. You need to write in the word, OutlanderCast. No space. Nothing. Just OutlanderCast at checkout. Holy smokes. Get yourself some soap. Is it is it just me, or anytime I hear the number 55, I think of that Sammy Hagar song, I can't drive! 55 I no. think it's just you just just me okay <laughs> so um so let, let's let's you're I, talking I, so much I'm sorry well I was actually just gonna ask you were you I was what about the rape scene let's, let's oh thanks because that's I, what I want to talk about okay well Blake. then you then you then you okay agenda free you do what you want to <laughs> no, do and I'll go along fine. for the ride it's fine I'll go along for the ride and I'll go along to get along what do you got well we knew it was coming. It stinks for Brie. The way that they shot this mm-hmm. makes it almost look like it's the same day. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Like, I feel like it. Like she and Roger just had relations. Yeah. And then we run into Stephen Bonnet. Yeah. Like 10 minutes later. Yeah. And... Not good. Yeah, not good. Not good at all, <laughs> man. I... It's funny because... I don't think funny is the right word. Well, it, it 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 is funny to me because I don't know if the show wants you to have this feeling, but I almost felt like the show was like well, not the show, but like Brie was almost like becoming her own problem. Like she like um, because Roger left, she got in trouble. Do you know what I mean? No. Uh, like. She's off alone, and it's almost as if the show was trying to send you a message like, oh, you know, Brie made a poor decision, and this is what happened. No, they are no. not blaming the victim. I so hope no. not. I seriously hope. I don't I, think I they just, are. I watched it, and that's just the way that it, like, it felt. I think if anything, Brie's guard was down 
she was having a really bad day. Then she sees her mom's ring and she's all sorts of nervous. Where's my mom? How do you have that? You know, she probably had her guard down a bit because of what had just happened sure. to her heart. So I, 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 I would that. agree. I would agree. But the way that they, uh, the way that they framed this whole scene, in my opinion, was one of the better things that Outlander has done the in a long time. Agreed. Like you see his shipmates, his men, the men who know how ruthless and terrible he is. You see glimpses of like awkward slash like we hear this, but we're not doing anything about it. Even the bar wench prostitute, whomever she is, she notices what's going on. Everyone knows what's going on. Right. And like I said, they even I remember they took the time to show Bonnet take the boots off and throw them against the door. And I was like, what? what is this? Like, why are we wasting time on this? But then you see someone come over and fix the boots and like put them in an orderly fashion at the side of the door you know and that just shows you how uh terrible it can be to be a woman at this time and how dangerous it can be to be a woman at this time because this guy is in in and they, they shot it in such a cool way where, we, where you don't see it right and i really commend jennifer getzinger for this because outlander um has been very rapey okay and it is what it is i don't want to it just it is it's 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 fact not opinion okay and the trope of rape is old and i'm sick and tired of watching it and i'm sick and tired of it being used as a plot device to move things forward which in my opinion this is what happened it was just used to get brie in a situation where she doesn't want to be. And it's something things are going to happen because of this. But Getzinger does a really cool thing is that in that she doesn't show it. She takes the scene and tells it in a different way than normal. She allows the viewer to be in that landscape, which is a hugely different play than what Outlander has done before. And that is why I think this scene the way that it's shot is so exceptional it's like any kind of exposition that you would ever hear right meaning what i mean is this whenever you have to give exposition you you have to do it you have to give the 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 watcher or the reader or the listener information in order to have them go forward for the rest of the story it needs to happen it all depends on the delivery of that exposition it could be terrible exposition or it could be really good interesting exposition like we've always talked about in uh jurassic park welcome to jurassic park you know the whole dino dna thing it was a movie within a movie explaining to you how dinosaurs were created that's all exposition that's all it was but they told it in an interesting way and this is what i mean by saying getzinger does this really cool thing where she takes this tired trope of rape and she shows it to you in an extremely different way, which makes this an interesting project. And you just hear the sounds, you see the purpose for it in, in terms of getting the context of the time and the place and the kind of people that are around her. And again, just seeing that someone fix those boots and then hearing the sounds and watching Brie take the ring and just walk silently no score no nothing just in a daze walking up those stairs 
Um, again, it's a it's a terrible subject matter, but the way that it was shot was incredible. Like it let you it let your mind play the worst parts in your in your own head. Would you agree with that? Yes. <clears throat> yes. I think they did a, a smart job with how they filmed this. So, yes. Yep. I think that Outlander is rapey. Um, Would you agree that it's tired? As someone who was sexually assaulted herself, I don't. Because I think that this episode, um, you know, it's different time period. But I'm being, oh God, I just see guys, this is why it's not Merry Christmas. (laughs) One in four women are sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. So if we look at how many characters we know in this show. If we were to do a statistic of one out of four of them, do they get, you know, assaulted? Do they get raped? Do they, is rape even attempted? Probably in line with that statistic. And probably back then, well, we all know, it happened more. a heck of a lot more. So but I, th- I don't think that necessarily um, this particular one is like, crazy and out of line i think that you know they also had their fair share of male rape and then the attempted rape of fergus and i mean it's just something that is in and around i didn't live in that time period but i live now and i know how frequent things like this happen now so i don't think that it's um out of line i wish it wasn't like for me being someone to have to watch this episode and I dreaded this episode, I was not looking forward to this because anyone else who's listening who has also had a trauma, watching trauma on television or having to hear about it is really effing hard. It's really hard. So I wish sometimes that the show that I love and the series that I love didn't have to do this. And it's easier for me in books because I can just flip through pages and get the gist. And when you have to watch things on screen or you have to see people's faces and if you yourself are a mirror and you can see what Sophie is trying to portray and you say, those were my eyes. That was my walk. Um, I think that if anything, it can help other people who don't go through this it can help men who've never had to be afraid of walking home at night or if it's someone who has had a sister or a friend or someone that they have had gone through it I think that when you do get to see episodes that share this um, or shows that share this it it shines a light that this happens and it's terrible so I do I wrestle with it because I watch TV and read books to take me away and take me to a lovely time. (laughs) And um, it's tough because sprinkled in this series is a heck of a lot of uh, problems with with rape. And it's not fun. Um, But then there's the part of me that says, but where else do we see this? And where else do we address this? And where else have I seen on television male rape? And where else have I seen, you know, um, like like Bree's going to have some PTSD. And I am thankful for that because I hope that it can bring about conversations since this does happen to people since probably a lot of you listening right now are nodding your heads because sadly it's happened to you or maybe it hasn't happened to you but now you're like oh okay so as someone I'm just 
As a victim myself, I watch this and I say, yep, and yes, this happens. As someone who worked in the sexual assault center at my university, it happens so much in real life mm-hmm. and we don't talk about it. So like I battle with how often the show or the book does this because it stinks because I don't like it because it's not fun because I want to talk about hairy nipples instead or something else. <laughs> but on the flip side, this is the world we live in and this was the world that people lived in. And, um, you know, it does change peop- the direction of people's lives. Well, let me ask you this because I think there's a school of thought and I kind of subscribe to this school of thought. And this in, in no way, shape, or form belittles anything that you just said in any way. But when you're creating a show and you're, you are in charge of what happens within a show, you know, maybe it's because this is what happened in the books, right? But Outlander has never shied away from adapting the books. And that is a good thing, right? They've never shied away from changing things to fit their own narrative. Just look at Frank, okay? It served the story in a better way to make Frank a more viable character. I know all of, a lot of people hate him. I, it doesn't matter. It made him a viable, more viable character. Fact, not opinion. Because the book isn't an excuse to just do what it's supposed to do, right? And the, what, what I'm getting at is this. Reality is not an excuse for storytelling, right? Yes, it's. I think there's a school of thought that says this rape and these things happen within the world. We have to have conversations about them. We have to, like, one of the best things that the show ever did was actually show male rape because it did bring up a conversation. It did actually provide a lot of great um, character work for Jamie things that still to this very episode are still being felt by Jamie like again that that conversation at the beginning of the season with with young Ian right those things still affect him and I'm sure that this is going to affect Bree in a certain way but because the show has used rape so much it's almost like is there anything else we could do to get the point across I guess that's the question like is is reality an excuse for storytelling in your opinion or is it not an excuse? I'm, I don't really know. And, and that's the debate. And that's the debate that I would love to hear I think from, from you, the listeners. I think this episode, I think where we are now, this episode was done right. And I think that this storyline was done right. This storyline, so, I, I would agree with you that the way that it was portrayed and shot was absolutely the right way. So I think you're picking a fight on a oh, I'm time. Not, I'm not picking a fight. No, like, well, okay. No, yeah, but I'm just saying, I think in previous episodes, previous seasons where it's like, Claire as in France and some random guy might threaten. That's what like, I'm getting at. Like that one, I'm all sat with, but... So many of these others have changed the course of who these characters are. Right. So that they had to happen. Um, you know, I, I can't think of many instances that you could remove and continue to have these people be who they are today. Right. So that's how I feel about it. Well, as right as I think as they did this particular scene with the rape scene, another thing that I think they did really well was actually show Jamie's struggle uh, showing his struggle with Tryon 
and his role in what is happening between Tryon and the regulators. I think that struggle of being like, okay, where do I stand? How do I, how do I make this leap? How do I stay true to my word, but also help my friend? And it's showing, I think, Jamie to really having weight behind his choices and the fact that he's actually going to have to make a choice. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, it was awesome. I think I think that actually having a real choice between Murta and Tryon and what he's going to do, he's showing his true colors a little bit. And it makes me wonder, do you think he's going to get found out? Like if this is going to put him in, in, in bad news? Because like obviously Murta's not in the book, right? So do you think he's going to get found out by Tryon no. that he's helping Murta? No. I think that this is perfectly set up to throw George under the bus. <laughs> Your boy, George. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, uh, let's get to the Outlander cast staff thought of the week, shall we? Perfect. This one's brought to you by Rachel Dillon, one of the writers on the blog. Do make sure you go check out all of her work there. But here it is. Rachel, take it away. Hey, Outlander cast, Rachel Dillon here. As a book reader, as a Brie fan, as a Roger fan, this was the episode for me. Seeing McBree finally come together and get married was just the icing on top of what's been a fantastic season. And there are so many kind of fun little things I noticed with this episode. First off being their theme song. If you notice, Bear McCreary has kind of created a little theme song for all the characters. Jamie and Claire obviously have theirs. Lord John has one with the trumpets. Willie has one with the clarinet. And here you have Roger and Bree's with the guitar. It's just so beautiful. Um, and I love hearing it anytime they have a moment together. Isn't it also crazy too that everyone was in Wilmington and yet no one ran into each other minus Fergus and Roger, but it didn't count because they didn't know each other. Just kind of weird, almost as weird as George Washington happening to be at that play, but I digress. There's a really interesting moment very early on in the episode when Claire's talking to Marcy and she mentions, you know, one of the things about being a parent is that you're not able to protect your child from everyone and everything. And I thought that was a great foreshadow to what happens to Brie with her rape. Being that Claire was in Wilmington, maybe not that far away from it happening, she couldn't do anything and couldn't protect Brie from that happening. Um, So I thought it was a great, great foreshadow that the writers did. It's also really refreshing to see Claire do an operation that actually had some benefit. Brava. Um, You know, during the beautiful moments between Roger and Brie, there were some great parallels to Jamie and Claire on their wedding night as well that I had to start writing them down because I started having flashbacks in my mind of these moments. Um, Some of them, you know, Roger very early on says, you know, do you know how badly I want you? And Jamie said something very similar to that to Claire during one of their fights. Um, the hand fasting reminded me a lot of during Jamie and Claire's wedding when their wrists were cut and it was tied and they did the ritual. Very, very similar. Jamie was a virgin on their wedding night and Brie was a virgin on hers. During the reunion episode when Claire, you know, strips down and in that moment of vulnerability, Jamie tells her, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And when Brie has that exact same moment, Roger says the same thing. Um, I thought that was just, oh, so beautiful. 
Um, Jamie says, I felt like my heart was going to burst. And Roger says, feel my heart. Tell me if it stops. Another parallel. Jamie asked Claire if she was okay at one point. And Brie asked Roger if he was okay at one point. I mean, it is crazy the amount of similarity and parallels that there are between Jamie and Claire and Roger and Brie. And it's nice that it's not super, super obvious. You know, as fans and, you know, consistent watchers of the show, we are aware of these small moments. Um, so I love that we were able to, it's kind of like a little Easter eggs for us. Just, you know, we were able to catch it. Their fight you know as a youngin being a 23 year old myself we just miscommunication and it's just sad because both of these people love each other very much just roger doesn't think Bree sees the amount or the ways that he shows he loves her going through 200 years of time being on a ship with bonnet he's done everything he can to prove how much he loves her and it's not that Bree doesn't love him back it's just Roger's not the number one priority right now. Finding Jamie and Claire and saving them is. So hopefully it all gets resolved in the next episode. Something very exciting might happen in the next episode. Just a lot of great stuff's going on in Outlander right now. And for me, this has been the top episode. I loved everything about it. Um, can't wait for what happens next. Rachel Dillon, everybody. Hey, thank you so much, Rachel. That's her first thought of the week. She's one of the new writers on our staff. I'm so happy to have her. She is amazing. And that amazing sound quality that she has. Mm-hmm. It's because she's actually a podcaster herself. She is. She does a podcast all about cold brew. So if (laughs) if any of you like to drink a cold brew while you talk about uh, Outlander or read Outlander, you've got to check out Rachel. You can find out more about her by going to outlandercast.com and click on the about section. All right. Time for the outlandish theory of the week. Are you ready for this bad boy? Yes. So after having that great conversation about Bree and Stephen Bonnet and Roger and everything, here is what I want to say about all this. I think that Bree is absolutely going to be pregnant now. One way or the other, she is ending up pregnant, when you, especially when you consider what happened with Atawahi and uh, the how she like gave her gave Claire like the little sprigs of whatever it was, the plants or whatever. For the mother. Yeah, for the mother. Brie is absolutely going to be pregnant now, and there's going to be this huge debate about who the baby actually belongs to. Is it going to be Stephen Bonnet, or is it going to be Roger? And I think that is what is going to propel the remainder of the season for Brie, and I think that's probably why the rape scene had to happen with Brie, because it's going to create this conflict with her and Roger and it's going to enforce what what the problem was between uh, even more so with Jamie and Stephen Bonnet but here's something that I think is actually going to happen that I don't know if people caught a glimpse of Lizzie sees Roger acting kind of forcibly with not kind of very right and again, it, all the world's a stage, right? It's, it's Things are happening. They're being interpreted a certain way. It is what it is. But Lizzie sees this. And I'm guaranteeing you, Brie ends up seeing her parents at the end, by the end of this season. I don't know exactly when, but it's probably going to happen next episode. Either way, Brie's going to end up seeing them. Lizzie is going to end up saying that somebody raped her. And that's why this girl's pregnant. But eventually they're going to run into Roger and she's going to say Roger raped Bree and Jamie is going to have a big time problem, massive problem with Roger. And they're, they're in some, something bad's going to happen between Jamie and Roger. I'm just telling you because because of this girl, Lizzie, 
It's, it's no good. It's interesting. And there's going to be a major conflict between the two of them because they just like there's no other reason why they would show Lizzie seeing Roger acting the way that he did. Uh, it's just going to be misinterpreted. So, my darling, what do you th- is that an interesting or is that like that's a, an interesting? That's yeah. like an interesting. No. Yeah, it's an interesting. <laughs> Chuck, what do you got? Mock me. Please hang up and try again. That's right. I'm going to call him Chuck from now on. Chuck. <laughs> Bonnie Prince Chuck. Love it. <laughs> All right. The giveaways for this week coming from Caswell Massey. Uh, the first one is the Dr. Hunter's Original Remedies Apothecary Set. You can find all that information right here at outlandercast.com. Uh, and it will be actually, uh, this one has a $49.95 value. This one will be at uh, outlandercastclangiveaway.com. And the second one is one oversized Castile saddle bar of choice between the number six, the Marum, the LX48, the Roz, or the Beatrix. Okay. This one will be at outlandercastclan.com. And my recommendation to you is go for the number six. Not because I'm, it's, it's, it smells like my boy George, because, but because I have the number six soap and I fracking love it. Mary even really likes it. It's really good. So that is that. Marvin, are you ready to close this bad boy out? Yep. All right, let's do it. waiting for us to talk more about the marriage vows and the sex don't worry it's coming in the listener feedback episode as well as uh me uh, actually all of us listening and watching the trailer for the next episode that's now become a staple of the of the listener feedback episode don't worry guys dinner fash <laughs> dinner fash. this is why we have two episodes a week because there's just so much goodness to talk about and this part that I want to talk about is the good, the good part. And I shouldn't want it commingling too much with, you know, the rapey stuff. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We would love for you to reach out. Remember, you can still tune in and send in your listener feedback. Reach out on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter. Our handle, of course, is OutlanderCast. And if you want to email us, you can email us at gmail, outlandercast at gmail.com. There you go, Blake. You got to say it right. You got to say it right for the people to email you. That's the whole point. And if you want to go to outlandercast.com, check out all of the amazing blogs and articles, and even the rest of the podcasts, like our super awesome history lessons that we've already talked about a couple of times. They are all there. Very excited about them. We want to thank all of our patrons for as little as $2 a month, which is less than a cup of coffee. You're supporting us. You're supporting the fact that we can actually pay for our babysitter right now so we can podcast because Lord knows our kids have not been sleeping after Christmas. <laughs> Zero sleep. And you help us take care of the website and the fees. And we thank you all so incredibly much. We especially want to thank our most generous patrons, our associate producers, Angie, Carolyn, Selin, Cheryl, Diane, Heather, Jennifer, Lauren, Linda, Marilyn, Mary, Michelle, Patricia, and Summer, as well as our co-producers, Barbara, Carolyn, Christina, Dana, Dieta, Janet, Keelan, Kirsty, Lisa, Liz, Marianne, Meredith, Raynal, Rita, Sharon, Sue, Tara, Tina, and Tracy, and last but not least, our executive producers, Anne, Bobby, Jen, Katie, Martha, Peg, and Sarah. We want to welcome all of you to coming to the Outlander Cast finale event. Once again, it's taking place Sunday, January 27th, 
right here in Newport, Rhode Island. We would love for you to come. Tickets are up and available. Please get yours now because after what date? The first? After the first. At the new year, the ticket price goes up. So we really want you to take the chance. Come on up. See us in person. We're going to watch the finale. We're going to have vendors and food and merriment in a beautiful historic building. And all the Outlander nerds. All the Outlander nerds under one roof. And we already have a lot of Outlander nerds coming, by the way. After that, we (laughs) will be um, having a live podcast. So if you want to see what it's like, we would love for you to come. And I want to thank also those of you who've taken the time to write a review on your podcast app of choice. Leanna Stark said, nerd alert, longtime listener. I like Mary's. I like that Mary sang the Disney song Savages about the whole episode that week. (laughs) Air Mueller even reminded me of the governor from Pocahontas. Did we already read this one? I don't think so. But either way. Love you. Love you. (laughs) Should I love listening to this podcast? Keep up the good work. Well, thank you. And thank you to everyone who takes the time to write these reviews. They're like little gifts that Blake and I get to open when we see and we say, someone is listening. The clan. out there. Like we said earlier, the clan came out in force when we asked for a couple of more reviews. Like, we got like 18,000 reviews in like two days. But y'all know what we're talking about. But I'm just very thankful for it. It it offers a a, a whole nother level of engagement and it shows you how popular this podcast is and how many Outlander nerds there really are that appreciate everything that... Obsassinax. <laughs> that appreciate that everything that you all do for each other in the clan together. You guys you guys rock, man. You rock our socks. So well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for just being you and for hanging out with us. We love you guys so very much and we will be talking to you later this week. For now, my name's Mary. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. <laughs>